Church, Charlotte. Praise the Lord, everybody. Um, I don't have the same thing that Pastor has of being able to mute everybody um, in one fell swoop. So if you guys can help me out and mute yourself, that'll save me from having to try and mute you during the thing. Um, I hope all of you guys are having a blessed week, doing well. Um, it's an honor to dig into the word with you guys. It's always an honor to be trusted by Pastor Nathan to to present the word. Um, and I'm, it's always a good time. Amen. Amen. So my title tonight is going to be Living with Fear. Living with fear. So one of the first things that we all need to really remember or understand when it comes to fear is that everyone has fear. No one is immune to fear. It's a, it's a human emotion that God has given us. And everyone is going to experience fear at some point in their life. There's no way that we can get around that. But that being the case, that means that fear is not a proper gauge of our value. All right. Fear or the presence of fear isn't a proper barometer of our faith. All right. We tend to think that when we have fear that we're lacking in faith in some way. And it's like we understand that we should be able to overcome fear. We, we say to ourselves, I know that I have no reason to fear, yet I fear anyway. <laughs> and we act as if that fear and emotion that we are experiencing makes us a somehow lesser of a person, a person of less faith, a person that doesn't, you know, have it all together, but fear is normal and everyone will experience fear. So what's going to cause fear? We fear the things that we don't know. Everyone will fear what they don't know. We fear the things that we don't understand. You know, things that we, we can't quite make sense of. We fear the things that we can't control. We fear our own inadequacies. And we fear the things that can hurt us. So all those things measure up. I, I would say that the majority of fear that I've experienced and probably the majority of you could be linked to one of those five things. Right. You either don't understand, you you sense your own inadequacy, it'll hurt you, you don't know what it is, or you can't control it. <laughs> um but fear is gonna affect us in in three three main ways that fear affects us. And one of those ways is fear convinces us of a lie. Okay. And this is really important for us to remember because fear will convince us of a false future narrative that seems possible, even though it's highly improbable, right? It's not totally impossible, but it's improbable, right? One of the, one of the things that you can really notice this on, if you wanted to, to study that out and, and see what I'm talking about is whenever there's 
any kind of shift in the political landscape or one side of a political party gets something passed through Congress that is against the ideals of the other political party, there's always this uproar of, oh, they're coming after this next or, oh, they're going to do this next. And they begin to spout off their false future narratives that aren't impossible, but are probably improbable. (laughs) Um, It's a, it's a, that's one of the clearest pictures you could take in today that you could just look at whenever you read the news and you can see how fear is working inside of our culture. Another thing that fear does is it causes us to doubt, right? We're not sure what we ought to do next. And that unsurety that we have, that doubt that we have, will then paralyze us from action. So fear gets us to where we're, we're so not sure what to do and we're so afraid of what might happen or is going to happen that we end up not doing anything. We were frozen in place. Um, so if that's the case, what is the antidote to fear? Right. If fear is going to keep us held in place, if fear keeps us trapped, full of doubt and gives us this false future narrative that we we buy into and then keep repeating to ourselves and all of our friends. What's the antidote? The antidote to fear is hope. Now, I just lost over half of you (laughs) because you thought you knew where I was going and you think that the antidote to fear is faith. And I'm saying that the antidote to fear is hope. And that was just not what you wanted to hear. (laughs) That's not what you've heard for your whole life in the church. It's always been fear is the antidote or and faith is the antidote to fear. I'm telling you, hope is the antidote to fear. So why do I say hope and not faith? The reason that I say hope and not faith is because I feel like sometimes when we tell people that they need to have faith, our image of faith is, a, is not quite where it ought to be. I'm not unsympathetic to it, but we tend to think of faith as when we have this stone cold, you know, resolute, I believe this, this is going to happen, bless God. And we make this, there's no room for hope in it. It's, it's going to happen. And we're resolute about it and steadfast and we're standing on it. And what happens then is, is that what we run into and the problem we constantly run into is, well, what happens when what you say is going to happen doesn't happen? What happens when you say God's going to heal me, but yet God doesn't heal you? Now you have fear and you haven't just added you're not just dealing with fear now you've added a form of inadequacy that adds to your fear and the reason for that is because you start to believe that you don't have the faith to believe because the bible says if you just believe if you have the faith of a mustard seed then you can speak to a mountain be thou removed and it'll be removed but if you've spoken to your mountain and it didn't get removed does that mean that you don't have faith 
Does that mean you don't have enough faith? Right. And so we begin to struggle with this. And that's why we start to compound our problem because we view faith as a, an absolute. It's an absolute fact. There, and so when we do that, and then what we say we have faith in doesn't happen, we lose our way. We get rejected. We feel like something's wrong. And it's probably on our end because we don't believe it's on God's end, which it's not. But we, when we see faith, that's usually what we think of. And that's how we act. That's what we say one to another. And it usually will end up hurting us in the end when we see faith as this absolute concrete surety that we have inside of us that God's going to do this. So now that I've said that, let me take you guys somewhere with hope. All right. Let me, let me kind of show you why I'm going to say hope. All right. Acts 23 and six says, but Paul perceiving that one group were Sadducees and the other were Pharisees began crying out in the councils, brother, I am a Pharisee, a son of Pharisees. I am on trial for the hope and resurrection of the dead. One of the verses, one of the translations says that Paul says, I am on trial for the hope of the resurrection, right? He's on trial for hope, Okay, Colossians 1 and 27 says, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Okay, Romans 4.18 says, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. And so became the father of many nations. So Abraham, in hope, believed. And we all say to ourselves that Abraham is the father of the faithful. But the Bible says that he hoped. Right? One more. Hebrews 11 and 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen so i say hope because and instead of faith because faith is best understood as hope there's no place of absolute certainty in faith. There is none. If we had absolute certainty, it wouldn't be faith. There's only room for hope. So when you think of faith, I, I want you guys to think of it more like this. It's not what you know for sure is going to happen. It's what you hope is going to happen. I hope God's going to do this. Right? <laughs> When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are going to get thrown into the fire, they say, we know that God could save us. Clearly, we're hoping that he does. But if he doesn't, 
they show their faith in the fact that they're, they, they believe God can do something, but they really don't know if he will or not. They hope that he will. Now, when you're hoping that something's going to happen, you have no idea if it'll really happen or not, but you don't really care. It doesn't matter. You're not, you're not putting yourself in a box where it has to happen or else you're saying, well, I hope this happens. And it changes your viewpoint on your situation. It changes the way you view your circumstances that fear is coming in to play at, right? If we take the idea of the mountain, right? If you have faith of a mustard seed, then you can speak to your mountain, be thou removed. Well, what if in faith you're hoping that the mountain will move, but if you hope the mountain moves and then it doesn't, you don't feel like you lack faith. And what you then do, because faith is, it's like an onion. There's layers to it, right? I hope because the Bible said, if I speak to this mountain, that it'll be removed. So I'm going to speak to it in hope that it be that it's removed. But when it's not, I look at it and I say, well, God also said that he's going to be with me through it all, <laughs> through the fire, through the flood. He's never going to leave me or forsake me. So now, since I had hoped that it would just be removed and it was not, now I'm going to hope that God's going to see me through that trial. He's going to help give me the strength to climb the mountain and get back down the other side. Now I've added a layer to my hope that I have. Amen. So hope is going to help us see through the lies that fear tells us. All right. Hope is what helps us to say, okay, I'm afraid that I'm, you know, the doctor told me that I'm not well and I'm afraid I'm going to die. But the Bible says that God is a healer. <laughs> so I'm going to hope that God heals me miraculously. And when he doesn't, well, I'm going to hope that God heals me through this process of going to the doctor, right? Whatever your illness might be, my hope just keeps pushing down another deeper level. Okay, well, we'll just move to this, right? But by hoping, it'll motivate us towards action despite the presence of our fear. Why? Because we're looking past the fear and we're trying to see past it to what is the truth of what could be. There's a truth that when the doctor tells you that you're ill, that you could be made whole. You could be healed. There's a truth that when you don't feel well, that tomorrow you might feel better. There's truth in when you're needing a financial blessing, that there could be financial blessing tomorrow, right? There's, you can see past and you look towards something better, and you focus your mind on what it is and your eyes on what it is you're hoping for. And when you're focused on what it is you're hoping for, you're not focused on your fear. And so you're no longer paralyzed. I can move 
because I'm moving towards what I'm hoping for. Amen. So how do we use hope? First thing I would tell you guys is whenever you're using hope to memorize some scriptures, okay? Scriptures that'll give you hope in your circumstances, right? The bishop tells a a great story about when he was having heart surgery and he was afraid and he had to get put under and he was afraid. And he said that he grabbed onto, um, I believe it's Psalms three and five. It says, I laid me down and slept and I awaked because the Lord sustained me. He grabbed that scripture and he quoted it to himself repeatedly. And then when he had the surgery and he awoke, he gave thanks to God because the Lord sustained him. He had that it with him. Now, I tell you guys, if you're trying to memorize scriptures, try and get at least two, right? Because if you have at least two, it's like you have your, you got one in each hand. And when you're walking through, you can quote one and then you can turn around and quote the other one and you, you get you at least two. If you can get three or four, that's good too. But you know, get you at least two that you can hold on to that you can continually tell yourself, continually repeat back to yourself that'll give you hope in your circumstances. I had a lady that I was talking to. She had some stuff going on and I was, and I've been checking up and following up with her and I came and I just I hadn't checked up in a while. So I checked up on her again and she told me that she's kind of struggling, but she's going to trust God and that she's come to the decision that she's either going to believe in or stand on. And she quotes two scriptures to me. Or she's not. And at that moment, I knew I need to check up on her. I need to, you know, do my due diligence and come back and say, how are you doing? I'm praying for you. I love you. You know, encourage her. But I knew that she she's going to be all right. Why? Because she's she's quoting me two scriptures that she's holding on to and says, I'm either going to believe this or I'm not. That's how we hold on to hope when we're in fearful situations. The second thing I would tell you guys is to get a worship song that'll give you hope, right? There, it can be just a little chorus. It could be the chorus of a worship song, but not the whole song, right? But put it on repeat, sing it to yourself, say it to yourself repeatedly. Just w- let it wash over you. Something that'll boost your spirit when you're having a fearful episode. And the third thing I'd say is make sure that you're praying those scriptures. You're not just memorizing them and telling them to yourself. You're not just playing the song over and over again. You're taking those scriptures to prayer. You're taking that song to prayer. One time I found myself without a job and my wife was nine months pregnant and I needed a job. So I told to myself, well, I once was young and now I'm old. And never have I seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging for bread. And I went to a prayer closet and I prayed. And I said, Lord, I'm going to get up in the morning. I'm going to look for a job. But I know your word says 
I once was young, now I'm old, and never have I seen the righteous forsaken. And I want you to know I'm going to stand on that. I woke up the next morning at 6 a.m., drove to a place that I knew would be open, a construction place, and somebody I knew that worked there. And I walked in the door, and the owner said, Anthony, I was just looking for your phone number. Do you need a job? I was out of a job for less than 20 hours. I took a scripture and I took it to prayer and I said, Lord, I'm standing on this. That's what we need to do with our scriptures that give us hope. That's what we need to do with our songs that give us hope. Take it to prayer and repeat it until the fear goes away. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane repeats the same prayer three times in a row. Repeat the prayer until the fear goes away. The last thing I'll tell you guys to do is find someone that you trust. Not just any old buddy. Somebody you trust. And let that person speak hope to you. Let them encourage you. Because people that know how to encourage you with hope They're the type of people that know that, listen, I'm not trying to use some of these scriptures to say you shouldn't have fear as a way of putting you down. I'm going to use these scriptures about how do not fear because the Lord is with you. I'm going to use them as a means of trying to encourage you, not put you down. I don't want you to feel put down. So oftentimes what I do whenever someone comes to me with fear is I acknowledge their fear, acknowledge that they have fear and that they have good cause for having fear. And then I say something like this, listen, I'm going to tell you some things that you already know. You already know these things, but sometimes when we're having fear, it's difficult for us to remember or see or grasp. So I'm not going to tell you anything revelatory. I'm going to tell you what you already know. God's good. He's on your side. And the devil is a liar. (laughs) I start there and I tell people things that they already know. But then I can quote scriptures to them about fear and overcoming fear and scriptures about God being with them. And they don't feel like I'm putting them down. Like sometimes maybe I'm the only one that have experienced this, but sometimes when people are trying to encourage us, they'll come and they'll quote scriptures to us. But it almost sounds like they're telling us that we're losers because we are in we fear we're having a, a moment of fear. And it's like they don't get it like they think we're foolish. Um, I don't ever want to come across that way. And we need to find people that when we tell them we're having fear, we're afraid, they know how to encourage us in the Lord. Amen. And hope in God is the most effective hope against fear that there is. I believe, I believe this. I believe that if you have hope, it doesn't really, if you have hope that your doctor is going to diagnose you correctly and then give you the correct dosage of the correct medicine and your body will be healed. I believe that's hope in a, in a, a form of faith, right? Because it's hope. You don't know if it'll work or not, but you believe in them. 
I believe that if you have that hope, even in your doctor, that it can it can help move you through fearful situations, right? But your doctor will not come through all the time. Your friend, your family members, people you love and want to come through for you can't come through all the time. Like they, 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 they lack the ability for us to put enough hope in them to overcome anything. But God, God's different. Why? Because if we think of all of the things that causes us to have fear, right? The unknown, what we can't make sense of or don't understand, what we can't control, our inadequacies, our our things that will hurt us, right? And then you look at God. Well, God knows everything. <laughs> God can make sense of and understand everything. God controls it all. God has no inadequacies and there is nothing, no one or anything that can hurt God. And so God is someone that can come through every single time for us. So when we put our hope in him, we are putting our hope in the most effective being that can give us hope that there is. And so we say, Romans 8 and 31, what shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Amen. So real quick, that's that's about all I have on that. I, I do want to kind of end with this one thing. And if anybody has questions, you can start posting them now. But I want if if we if you don't get anything out of this, I want you guys to see this. I want you guys to see fear. Every time you experience fear, I want you to see it as a gateway to hope. It's a doorway to faith, right? Look back over your life and see all the times you felt like you had faith or where you experienced faith. And then tell me if that faith wasn't born out of something you were afraid of. Not necessarily a big fear, right? But some level of fear, right? There's so many people that come to God because they have a fear of going to hell. <laughs> and so they give themselves to the Lord and they they try and work out their salvation and move in hope towards God because they feared going to hell, right? Maybe it's not a big fear, right? But tell me where you have faith that fear didn't precede it. Amen. Most of the time, fear is going to precede your faith. Amen. Okay. So here, Sister Lisa says, um, could you expound on how the best source of our hope is God, but yet the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom? Good question. Thank you, sister. Um, so God is our best source for hope. And the Bible says that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Now, a lot of times you'll hear people preach that you don't have any reason to fear God. And 
I understand what they're saying. I'm not trying to say that what they're saying is wrong, but I, I think that it would be wise of us to acknowledge that um, God meets every criteria for what brings us fear. <laughs> we don't know him in all the ways that we maybe should or would or could or want to. His ways are above our ways, so we don't always understand them and we can't make sense of them all the time. We have no ability to control God. When we're in the presence of God, our inadequacies are never more apparent. (laughs) And if there's any being on this planet that can hurt you, it's God. He says in one place, don't fear the one that can destroy the body, but fear the one who can destroy the soul. (laughs) So he meets all of the criteria for fear. All of it. Right? So... It's normal and natural for us to have a fear of God. It's one of the reasons why almost every time people enter into God's presence in the Bible, like when Moses comes up to the burning bush, God has to say, don't fear. It's just me. Right? So what happens when you meet something that you have every reason to fear? Every reason on the planet to fear. It can hurt you. It can, you don't understand it. You're inadequate when you're in its presence. All of the things that would cause you to have fear. What happens when you meet that and you find out that it's the only thing that could cause you to have fear that continually claims and shows and proves through his faithfulness that he's on your side? What happens when that happens? Well, I'll tell you. When you begin to realize that you have every reason to fear God, but he's on your side, it doesn't produce fear. It produces reverence. You now have a reverence and a respect for God because you know if he wants to, he could hurt you, but he doesn't want to. You don't understand all the things he's doing, but you know he's got it all under control. And so it produces reverence in us. Amen? Yeah, I agree with that, Anthony. So, so Sister Beverly says, I found that when you remind yourself of the promises of God in Scripture, you can't help but feel the spark of hope kindle and uplift your soul. Amen. Um, That's... That's... Completely true. Every time I'm trying to to read the word and I'm I'm stu- I'm I'm in a trial of some kind and I'm reading the word and I'm or I'm looking for some sort of hope, it, you can always feel it build up. Yes. You can always the Bible is full of hope. It's full of stories of people who are just like you and me. And they struggle. They make mistakes. Uh, And, you know, they have the the memes out about, you know, David was an adulterer and and Moses killed a man and it goes through all these lists of things. And and it's meant to inspire you or to make you feel better, make you feel hope because it lets you know, listen, you, you may have messed up, but God's not mad at you. God's mad about you. And that changes everything. Amen. 
So, Brother Don, I find that when the Bible talks of fear of the Lord, it is referring to an awesome reverence and acknowledgement of God's power. Yes. Amen. Amen. So, we need to reverence God. And we need to try and use God as our primary source of hope. I think that it'd be foolish of us to think that we don't have some sort of hope in some other things, but I think that God needs to be the base. Does that make sense? God needs to be the one that we go to first. It's like, Lord, I am going to the doctor. I don't feel good, but I don't know if the doctor can heal me, but I know that you can. (laughs) And you use that and you let your faith layer itself again, like on the mountaintop. I have hope. That when I speak to my mountain, it'll be thrown off. It'll be tossed aside. But if not, I have hope that God's going to see me through this. And if it be God's will that I die on this mountain, I have hope in the resurrection. I'm going to be resurrected no matter what. Whether I speak to my mountain and it's tossed in the sea, whether God helps me up and down that mountain, or whether I die on it and then am resurrected, what I know is tomorrow that mountain's going to be behind me and no longer in front of me. And that gives me hope. And that makes me not fear my mountain nearly as much. Amen. So if we don't have any more questions, then um, Pastor Don, why don't you why don't you pray us out if there's if we don't have any more questions? Excellent, excellent teaching, Brother Yanni. I appreciate that so very much. Let's ask God to help us as we internalize what has been taught and said here tonight. Father, we thank you again. We are indebted to you because you created us all. You know what we are struggling with. You know our ups and our downs. You are well aware of everything that concerns us. And so nothing takes you by surprise concerning us. And so we thank you for being in front and behind and beside, above and beneath us, ushering us along the path of faith. We pray, God, that you will seal this word that we have heard tonight in our hearts so that we can grow thereby. That what we've heard tonight, that we will not soon let it pass through one ear and go through to the next, but we would, we would embrace it and hold it in our hearts so that it can do good in us. We thank you for Brother Yanni. We thank you for uh, the teaching tonight. And our pastor who's traveling, we pray that you'll bless him on his way and bring him safely back home to us, he and Sister Charla, and that your name will be blessed in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Last week, we will see you on Sunday. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come, worship with us.